So I would like to open up with, um, you know, every once in a while, I sort of hear, hey, Steve. Hey, man. Um, sort of hear a, sort of a word or a phrase or something that I think sort of captures a lot of what we're trying to do here um, in this study. Um, and Tom was talking to me a couple days ago. Was it a couple of days ago? Was it yesterday? <laughs> yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah, a long time ago. Um, and he was talking about how he had read this chapter um, in, in August 20th. And I don't, I don't, it's not August 20th, but he was just reading, I guess, in Oswald Chambers, Utmost for his highest, and mentioned this, the word. Um, and I'm going to just read it. I'll let you let's hear the word. And just got wow, that is a that's just a word that really I think captures what are we trying to do when we open up the word? What are we trying to do when we read the Bible? What are we trying to do in our Christian life? So I'm gonna just read um, read this section before you can. Yes, absolutely. Uh, most of you are probably familiar with Oswald Chambers. Yeah. You wrote a book called My Utmost for His Highest. Actually, it was a collection of his uh, speeches or talks that he gave to the British. Expeditionary force in Egypt during World War One. He was a missionary, and he's a brilliant theologian with a lot of kind of advanced thoughts. And uh, he died at, at like 39 years old of appendicitis in Egypt. You know, mm-hmm. and um, his wife compiled this, I think. His wife compiled the, the book. Yeah. <clears throat> just gathered thoughts, and and each it's a calendar. It's like a devotional, so you, you know you could read today's entry. And when I'm in bed often at night, I read a few and a half for years, and I've marked up my book. And actually, one reason I'm bringing this up is I had the thought, now I'm going to do it because I'm committing myself of buying a bunch for you guys, and I'll give you each one because uh, I think the book is, is so valuable. And he's fundamentally sound with his theology, as mm-hmm. you know, Greg and I, and I think most of us, he's been proven for what now, 100 years. So the most... Uh, Sold Christian book outside the Bible. Yeah. yeah, if you never read it, it's it, it, quote unquote, it's a classic. And it's one of those ones that just like, well, I'll read this. It just cuts to your heart. I mean, it's like he just has a way of of speaking and talking and convicting. And um, so I'm going to read this one that um, this word came from that that Tom mentioned. So it, it's August 20th, um, called Completeness uh, is the title, and the uh, the scripture that gets referenced is Matthew 11, 28, and I will give you rest. Can you tell us what you're reading again? I'm sorry, I didn't hear So you. this is Oswald Chambers' Utmost for His Highest. My, uh, my Utmost for His Highest. Is the title is a of the book. Devotional, that's the title of the book. Oswald Chambers, a very, 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 it's just a very famous, <clears throat> classic devotional of his sayings, and they put it together in all these different Basically, it's devotional for a day every, um, one day every year. Um, here. Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. One day for every, every day in the year. <laughs> he's like every a, day he's in like the year. The 20th century Spurgeon, right? Wouldn't you kind of say that? Yeah, yeah. That might be, yeah, that might be, it might be a way to think about, yeah. But I would say if you've never read it before, it is one of those ones that, um, probably one of the top, if not the top five I've ever read to as far as devotional. Um, all right, so this is August 20th, and it says, Whenever anything begins to disintegrate in your life with Jesus Christ, turn to him at once and ask him to establish rest. 
Never allow anything to remain which is making the dis-peace. Take every element of disintegration as something to wrestle against and not to suffer. Say, Lord, prove thy consciousness in me, and self-consciousness consciousness will go, and he will be all in all. Beware of allowing self-consciousness to continue, because by slow degrees it will awaken self-pity, and self-pity is satanic. He doesn't mince words, <laughs> as you can tell. <laughs> well, I am not, quote, well, I am not understood... This is the thing they ought to apologize for. That is really the point I must have cleared up, you know, that we get all this self-talk in us. And then he says, leave others alone and ask the Lord to give you Christ consciousness. I love that term. That was a term that when Tom said just like really hit me. Leave others alone and ask the Lord to give you Christ consciousness. Is that the word you were thinking? Word you were thinking? Yeah, yeah. And he will poise you until completeness is absolute. And you can hear the languages. It's English. And so you've got sort of the old, some of the old English language in here. The complete life is the life of a child. When I am consciously conscious, there is something wrong. It is the sick man who knows what health is. This is interesting. The child of God is not conscious of the will of God because he is the will of God. When there has been the slightest deviation from the will of God, we begin to ask, what is thy will? <laughs> Which is sort of interesting. When do we ask, what is thy will, when we're conscious of it and not maybe following it? A child of God never prays to be conscious that God answers prayers. He is so restful certain that God always does answer prayer. If we try to overcome self-consciousness by any common-sense method, we develop it tremendously. Jesus says, come unto me and I will give you rest. In other words, Christ's consciousness will take the place of self-consciousness. Whenever Jesus comes, he establishes rest, the rest of the perfection of activity that is never conscious of itself. You could probably think about that for a few days. <laughs> um, but I just love that term that are, you know, being, instead of being self-conscious or, or conscious about what everybody else is thinking, to be centered and be Christ-conscious. So. I put a PS on that that mm-hmm. kind of helped me when I was reading it this time. Um, we often say, well, what would, God, what would Jesus do? And that's kind of works-related. That's your head getting around what would Jesus do and what I think he's saying with Christ consciousness you pray Christ Lord enter my heart and mind and fill me and you're, that's you're done because he will and then you're going to be thinking and feeling as he thinks and feels you know what I'm saying yeah of course the best way to think as he feels is to <laughs> open up the word. <laughs> um, well, um, Oswald Chambers' book is six ninety five on Amazon. Uh-huh. There you go. So it's easy. There you go. Um, okay. Before we open up and look at our passage today, question for you that's going to actually lead us into the passage. Um, what do we work for? Have you ever thought of that question? Why do we work? What do we work for when you think of why you work? What do you work for? 
It could be occupation. A good question. It could be occupation. It could be anything that we're actually doing work for something. It could be I go home and I work on something. So any, I'm, I'm meaning very generally here. What do we, what, what are we working for? We're working for a purpose or something. What are we working for? The means to an end. And what's the end? Right, but that's, yeah. that's it. Whatever you're working on it's is like a mean, yeah. Yeah, like it could be. Building right. a chair, you know, if the end, is, end, end project point. is a chair. If you're working to feed your family, that's that. But okay, good. Just yeah. Simplest. Uh huh. That, that's a good way of thinking about it. Yeah. That we're, there's an end to what we're trying to work for. I think at first, and I'm thinking spiritually, I worked for my salvation, and then when I realized that that, that I was uh, didn't have to, uh, I started to work. I'm t- talking about my artwork. Mm-hmm. I started to work to glorify the beauty of God. So um, I think we we switch over to not earn, but to serve. Okay. Wait, else? Just what do you work for? Sense of accomplishment. Okay. Good. In, 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 in my case, um, I'm retired, and I don't work for income. Mm-hmm. I work for a sense of purpose. And as Jeff said, your sense of purpose needs to align with your core values. Mm. And so what I found out is that I want to give back or pay back for what has happened to me in my life. And I've been fairly successful, so I want other people... So I have zeroed in on students, because I started with my grandkids. Mm-hmm. I started teaching them and tutoring them as they went through school. They went through school, done, so what am I going to do now? So I went back and got a teacher certificate, and now I volunteer as a substitute teacher to provide a, a positive influence on the students that I interface with. Mm-hmm. That's my direction today. It's not, it's not monetary, certainly, because mm-hmm. you don't get paid that well. But it's given me a sense of purpose and a satisfaction that I am contributing and paying back for what I got out of life. Mm-hmm. I'm at a point in life where I can go do that, mm-hmm. and I do. Let's see, so you re- after you retired, you got your teacher's license? I did. Wow. It was the most painful thing in the world. <laughs> Uh, I spent six hours on a test, reading comprehension, mathematics, and then the last one was writing a two-paragraph essay. I mean, a two-five-paragraph essay Hmm. on a subject that they gave you. Hmm. And at the sixth hour when it rolled over, I was about halfway through the last paragraph. I still passed. Still got it. Still got it. And they just stopped you at that point? Just oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like they cut you off right at six hours. Wow. Wow. But I managed to, uh, to do well on the other parts. Right. Enough to get me through. So it was a, that was in itself was a sense of accomplishment. Yeah. To go do that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that was awesome. What was your vocation? Now, it's, it's, it's really fulfilling my life because mm-hmm. my grandkids know what I'm doing. And one of my grandkids is in the high school still. And if I teach at the high school, she... I was by the room and yeah. gives me a hug and a kiss and says, I love you, which <laughs> makes good. my day. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's why I work. Good. Good. Okay. Good. Okay. What was your vocation? What was your vocation? I'm sorry? What was your vocation? 
I uh, was an aerospace engineer, worked at NASA for 20 years. Oh. We uh, worked for IBM, and we won the uh, onboard flight software shot contract for shuttle. And so I spent 20 years building the software that flew the shuttle. Hmm. Well, that's really Worked with the astronauts every day trying to figure out how to fly an airplane <coughs> in space. Because, oh. you know, when you're in space, there's no atmosphere, so your aerosurfaces don't work. they got to control it by reaction control system and jets. But as you come in back down through the atmosphere, the atmosphere starts to take effect. So you're going to blend the rockets with the aerosurfaces. That's called a transition DAP, digital autopilot. Worked with the most fantastic, smartest people you could ever imagine. And um, the astronauts wanted to figure out how to fly. And they wanted to fly like they wanted to fly. So it was it was the first airplane that ever took the, the surface data, routed it through the computers, and displayed it rather than going straight to the instruments. So it was it was the kind of job that you want to get up and go to work every morning. And why weren't we working on the weekend? So. All right, others. What do you work for? I ask that question. What, what's 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 the purpose of why why are you, why do you work? Anybody else? I gotta say, this guy's amazing. I've been, <laughs> been in this study over the years. There was a time I wasn't here for about four years or so. But before that, ten years ago, maybe, you know, we're in this place together. Oh, right? really? Huh? And I never heard your story ever. So, you know, this is a humble, <laughs> brilliant guy sitting here, you know, who finally tells his story and, he, and you're, and you go, <laughs> so, God bless you, man. Uh, the point that got me where I am today is that certain things happened in my life. I knew where I wanted to go, but things just fell in place. Mm-hmm. Why do they fall in place? Yeah. I mean, more than once. Huh. This is many, many times. They fell, just fell in place, and I said, wow, how did that happen? You yeah. know, in, in that regard, so somebody, I... somebody out there is watching over me. Yeah. Started with my grandmother. She used to take me to church, and um, I remember one Sunday night we were Baptist. One Sunday night we were on the way to church, and she says, "You know, David, there's only one religion." And I said, "Grandma, what is that?" She says, "The Baptist." <laughs> oh well, of course. <laughs> Everybody knows that. All right, others. Um, what do you? Anybody else? Like when you think about the question, like what do you work for? Well, the, the concept of work is something I have been thinking a lot about lately, uh-huh. and. I certainly don't do this even close to perfectly, but like what I think about all the time lately when I think about work is in John 6 and 27. It says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that gives eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. Mm-hmm. Which I heard like far before, years before the study, but never really taken like how radical that was that seriously. Mm-hmm. And then below that it says, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he sent. Um, so that's like through the study like reshaped a lot. Like what I what I think of work and what I think work is, yeah. which is exactly why I'm asking the question. Because <laughs> we're going to read that passage. <laughs> so why don't we do that? Why don't we open up to John six twenty two, which is on page thirty six, and this time <clears throat> as we read, we're going to read a big section. Um, 
we always a lot of times we'll just read a section. If there's anything, so if there's anything that occurs to you, if you guys want a pen or anything, we have pens over there. Anything that occurs to you as we're reading through, underline it, or anything that sort of sticks out. One of the things I want you to listen for is if you hear anything being repeated as we as we go through this. One answer you cannot give me is what you see right there, which is bread. Okay. So I want to hear something other than bread if you hear something being repeated. Um, because you can hear that word a lot. Okay. Um, glasses. Excuse me, I'm sorry. <laughs> Before we go on, yes. um, uh-huh. I've been thinking about your question a lot. Uh-huh. And um, for me there's a parallel universe. <clears throat> and one is you have a job and you work on a necessity mm-hmm. to provide for yourself Oops. and your family. But the parallel that's happening is the maturing of your walk. And and the, the real person that you become. Not because so many men identify through their job. Right. And when you when so you don't have a job anymore, I remember when I retired, I think, well, who am I? And all of a sudden, a job has one direction, the job, that this is what you do, that you go to work and you all, everything falls into place. When that stops, all of a sudden, there's 360 degrees of choices now. And it's hard because now what? And But as I remember through my work, it was so important for me personally to get my act together and and to really um, decide on what principles really were important that I wanted to guide my life. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a lot of work to do that. So that's the parallel that was happening while I was working. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, no, it does make sense. Yeah. Well, let me second that. That's interesting because I've been very fortunate in the whole reason why I have actually taken a, and I grew up in the church and, you know, didn't do anything for 30 years. And then I retired. I sat home and I'm like, now what? And in doing that, and just with the, you know, the current political climate, everything that's going on, I'm just like, I'm, I'm in this, this journey to find truth. Mm-hmm. So in doing that, I started, you know, I started reading, you know, Francis Schaeffer and C.S. Lewis and all this stuff and just kind of propelled. But the bottom line is, is when you go to work every day and you worry about, you know, saving 500 lives, that's important, but you're also distracting yourself away from, from this stuff, which I really, really came to understand when you're sitting around realizing you got a lot of time on your hand and how you used to just fill your, your whole life up with stuff that really doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, it matters. It matters that those astronauts get home safely, but why do the astronauts got to have to be up in the space in the first place? I don't have to answer that question. <laughs> why does the widgets that I, you know, used to do, why are they important? I don't know. It's, you know, it's a social norm that we got to do, but, but the bottom line is, is that, you know, people are distracted by, you know, their survival and, I, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I've been able to realize that. And, you know, if I'm, if I was still working, I probably wouldn't be where I am now in my, in my walk, which 
grateful for not having to work and finding that. And so getting that, right. Win-win. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so who who um, would like to read a large section of scripture? What <laughs> verses? I would just read it all the way through. Uh, so I'm going to read 22 through, actually I don't want to go all the way to the very end, but 22 through um, 59. I'd like to. Who wants to? I would like to. You want to do that? Okay. I'll yeah. tell you why, because there's a lot of, I'm kind of a red letter, you know, there's a lot of Jesus talking here. Uh-huh. And, and, and sure the book is. of John is my favorite. And uh, it's a, just a real honor. I can't read like Jason with all that conviction. <laughs> I, I, we'll, I, see. We'll, we'll see. I'll say 22, right? Yeah. And this is King James. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Fine. Yeah, I love it. And so just again, listen. So if you're doing King James, you might want to even just listen to him as he reads it. See again if there's things that you sort of pick up. Especially things that get repeated as far as words. On the day following, when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there, save the one where into his disciples were entered, and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples were gone away alone, howbeit there came other boats from Tiberias nigh unto the place where they did eat bread, after that the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum, seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when comest thou hither? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves, and you were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth from everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Then they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe in him whom he hath sent. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may seek and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father give you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven, and giveth life unto the world. Then they said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth in me shall never thirst. But I said unto you, that ye alone have seen me, and believe me not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that all that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The, G- the Jews then murmured at him, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, 
Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it that, how is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, Murmur not amongst yourselves. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God, he hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness, and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof, and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. How far do I go? Keep going down to 59. The Jews therefore strove amongst themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said unto them, Early, early, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink of his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna, they are, and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Alright. Lot there. Yes, Eric. It occurs to me that his whole purpose was he was sent as a, a messenger, basically, from God to reestablish relationship with his people. And he says over and over again, I'm not the answer, I'm the vehicle. I'm the one that's delivering the message from the God the Father. And so, if you kind of rise up above his whole mission, then his whole purpose then is being used by God to reestablish God's relationship with his creation that was lost through our sin. Okay. That's why when he keeps talking about the bread and, and, and all those rest of those things, um, but when you say when you say that he was the messenger, right? So he he did. We heard he's God incarnate, but uh huh. But he, I think, the whole thing is is to bring mankind back into relationship with him. Yeah, and who and is that, him? God the Father. But also, I mean, they're one. Yeah. Okay. They're yeah, one. they're one. They're one. So. Yeah. 
can I, uh, uh, yeah. let's say something, uh-huh. and sorry, but yeah. I've got no. a lot of stuff. So. Okay. Yeah. No. <laughs> to me, it seems like, obviously, the metaphor of bread and, the, and, and blood that people are, are sort of getting at, it's, you know, it's not the food we're talking about. <laughs> There's a couple places in here he says, I am, I am, I am. So he is, uh-huh. he is. He is everything. So yes. it sounds like he's losing the, the faith of the people. The people are starting to, they know he's done miracles. And I'm assuming, I wasn't here last week. I'm assuming this is when he walked on water. Right. Well, so he just, so he just, what we, last week. So he both did the, the feeding of the 5,000 miracle. Okay. And then he walked on water. Okay. Okay, so they walked on water, so he did this, so on one side of the Sea of Galilee, you can think of like Big Lake Tahoe, on one side, he's over there, and he feeds the 5,000, okay? Then he, and you see this sort of here, the way it opens up, then he, they, the disciples go to the other side, mm-hmm. and they're taking a boat to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and as they do so, Jesus, they didn't see Jesus get in the boat, <laughs> They saw his disciples go, and all of a sudden, this is when he walks on the water, right. and the disciples see it. So now they're on the other side of it, the side of Capernaum, which is the western side of Galilee, um, and that's where this starts taking place. So they have. So what happens is this crowd that was over on one side of the Sea of Galilee that saw this miracle he did, so give the context, they follow him. They all get in boats, and they follow him and go to the other side trying to find out where it's Jesus. It's just right. this miracle. Um, Which, if I'm not mistaken, that is the biggest miracle he's done is is feed all those people. Is that correct? Was that one of his biggest miracles? Well, yeah, because that depends what you mean by big. So well, if you mean by numbers of people, absolutely. Just one of the mo- as far as how many people were able to. Yeah. I guess would be the biggest. Well, that hasn't well, happened yet. Yeah, the no, no, that hasn't happened yeah. yet. So the resurrection so, is mean, going to be the ultimate one. So right. at this point, and again, I've said this before, we have the, we have the, we have the luxury of hindsight. This right. is happening in real time, and exactly. these people are kind of like, is this guy a kook? Is he real or whatever? And he's trying to tell them over and over again, I am. Yeah. And they're not listening to him. It sounds like he's kind of maybe losing them a little bit. So that's very perceptive. So last week, for those of you who were here last week, what happens in this whole section of chapter 6 is it starts out with the disciples, and you have all these people who are believing in Jesus, believing in really the signs that he did. Okay, And the thing that's sort of shocking about chapter 6 is that it ends... You start out with all these people following him, and exactly what you just said happens. Because he's going through and saying some things that Jesus says are very hard, and people don't get, and people don't understand. And people don't know, and he's making, he's all of a sudden doing exactly what you said. I think exactly. He's doing what you just said about how we're going from what we're doing in the world to what is going on spiritually. And he's making this transition of the people, trying to show them something more than just what happens in the world. And they're, as we do, we struggle with it. It's almost like he's getting frustrated a little bit, well, trying I, to repeatedly say this. And yeah. Side note here, and I'm trying to think of this in God's plan. Okay, I gotta, I gotta figure out how I'm gonna make these people believe my son. So, you know, in his design phase, is what is he, what's he have to do to get? You know, he brings the son, and the son's got these miracles and so forth. I can just kind of see how, again, in real time, 
Mm-hmm. This is a this is a tough thing to to grasp, and yeah. I don't know if I would have like I told you. I need to put my hand in his in his in the side of of him to to to, to believe that stuff. Right. So, well, and so what happens is in sixteen we didn't read that, but in sixty six it says after this, so after this whole section of chapter six, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. That's how tough it is, and what he's trying to say is that they're not really getting what's happening. Yeah, well, and disciples here can mean... Not the 12, but Yeah, the, it, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, okay. it's, sometimes disciple does include the 12, sometimes the word disciple is a 12, but sometimes the word disciple is a whole lot of other people following him, not just 12. So it can mean different things. Yeah. Um, so, almost, I, so going back... To, yeah, yeah, going back to what you said, Eric, and what you said, is you picked up on a repeating one. I was going to see what I picked up. I am... I am, I am. So we talked about identity. Yeah, four times. Right? Okay, that's Jesus basically saying, not basically. Yes. <laughs> that's Jesus literally saying, who is he? He is the I am. And to the Jews, that's, there's only one I am. So when the Jews hear Jesus repeat, I am, I am, I am, they are hearing Jesus say, I am Yahweh. In the Old Testament. I am not just God, the Father. I am God. I am... I am equating myself literally with the Father and God. This is the first... I mean, this is where the Pharisees are getting pissed off at this point. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, in John, a lot of times it's called the Jews, by the way. Okay, so when you hear the word Jews in John... Often it means a religious leader yeah. like the Pharisees. Yeah. One of the keys occurs to me is that people want to see more signs. Very good. I want to see more signs so no I sense. can get it. You know? yeah. And that's why they followed him. Give me more signs. Yeah. Well, and so think about... Yeah, the, you're, you're right. So that's exactly what the problem is. They're wanting to see signs. But what did he just do? He just fed 5,000 people. Mm-hmm. Did they see him walk on the water? That was what I was going to say. Only the people on the only the people on the boat. So yeah, why why would why would why would that be the case though? Why would I mean because that would that would, that would help. next to next to the res- resurrection that's pretty much yeah. would do it for uh, a lot of people. Why didn't he show that to everybody? Why some of the some things he shows to everybody and some things he shows and some of it is because he's unveiling who he is slowly, <laughs> so he doesn't get you know. He doesn't want well, to get to the cross figure, too fast. <laughs> they couldn't figure out how... They knew he didn't get in the boat, and they couldn't figure out how he got to the other side. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So but why did God not design it so he showed everybody is, like, the question I have. It's like, he would have, you know, he probably would have got 5,000 people there to be, you know, possibly his Because disciples. I think that, again, he doesn't want to have... He doesn't want to reveal too much of himself too fast, because otherwise his and, mission is not going to get fully accomplished. And if... if that would, I think, diminish the feeding of the 5,000, which is so significant. And if he does another one right after that, then, you know, it it, it moves too quickly. Yeah. So, so many it, people. Uh, it's, it's, it's so unnecessary. Yeah, it was unnecessary. It's but it was big, necessary for the we're the thinking as, as uh, men, you know, <laughs> yeah. carnally, carnally we're thinking, well, Jesus is putting on a show, and if he really made it, if it was a real good show, he should have done this, and he should have done that. Yeah. And he's not out to put on a show. No, he's not out, to, he's not out to 
saved all the people that he encounters. Maybe we're looking at this wrong. So he's he's giving he's giving vignettes and uh, big things like three to five thousand. Then he just he doesn't want to deal with anybody. For, you know, he's, he goes off by himself. In in other words, it's like it's, it, we're we're seeking nuggets in the brush. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it we should take the emphasis off what he did for the five thousand, and maybe think of it in terms for. He fed the 5,000 to mature his disciples. Because they came and they said, what are we going to do? We don't have anything. Look at all these people. We don't have anything to do. Which showed a little bit of doubt on their part. And so when he did that, I I believe that just maybe he did that not for the 5,000, but to mature the disciples. Well, isn't it just the immediate disciples who would even have known? That something really wild was happening? Well, no, the fi- all the 5,000 people probably, I think... How would they know? Because there was no food there. there. Was no, no, food no, there. but how would it be broadcast to 5,000 people that there's, like, food rushing around, like, some kind of, uh, yeah, you know, that? like, they know something's happening. Like, when you put your hands up, but they, how would they understand that? Well, how would I mean, they the, like, the 12 close by disciples yeah. would... Well, and that they didn't even, because at the beginning until, of destruction... Until it was documented. Yeah, so, well, and Philip asked, like, you, we're going to feed all these people 5,000, how much money does it take? It's It would take so much money that no one would have, and then let, let alone how long is it going to take for you to gather all this? And all of a sudden, Jesus just feeds 5,000 people, and the 5,000 people did not have food. So those 5,000 people knew experience that, oh my gosh, food came from nowhere, you know, which is why they also followed him to the other side. Um, yeah. He really essentially said yeah, to me that the masses, the 5,000, were interested more in materialistic stuff. Mm-hmm. They wanted food. What what could Jesus provide them? They were not interested in the bread of life. They were not interested in the blood. You know, they gave them nothing. And they had to believe all that. And the second, the second point, it seems to me that Jesus and God know who's going to accept him before, because he knew about the Torah disciple, who was going to, right. so he should know about the 5,000. Mm-hmm. That's right. The 5,000, they're never going to believe. Yeah, of course why was he going to waste his time with them? Yeah. You, you said earlier the word frustrated. He's not frustrated. But do you think he, he knew all, he knows everything. In so do you think that he doesn't care about saving everybody? I, I mean, that's kind of a weird question to ask, but. Obviously, I think he did, but it was a bit of predestination. He kind of knew that they were never going to do it. No, he knows we're volitional. He he made us that way. We get to choose, and he accepts the remnant or whoever it's going to be, because he just wants us to connect with him. Yeah, and we see this unfold here. Listen, this is the impact of this passage: is all these struggles are sort of unfolding in front of our eyes. The very questions you guys are asking, you see Jesus trying to get across this change. Like, well, in fact, if you just look at it, while we're talking about it, look look at verse 25 on page 36. So just watch how this sort of happens. So these people who followed him over, this is not the disciples, not the Pharisees. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, now notice how they address him, teacher, just another Jewish teacher. You know, Rabbi means Jewish teacher. When did you come here? Because they're like, how'd you get here? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, because they never saw him get in a boat. 
All right, so they're all wondering how the heck he got over the side. And then he said, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me. Why? Not because you saw signs. So he's saying, you guys are following me, not because I even did the sign, but because you ate your fill of loaves. You're following me because you're hungry and you want to uh, be blunt. You want a free meal. Another one. Another one. I, I think the it, one. Very basic, yeah. Uh-huh. I, th- I think with the free meal, it's like, it's like logical though, right? Because it goes into where it says, um, like later on in the chapter, like your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. And so some of these people are hearing Jesus saying, like, I am he. And so like they're, they're hearing his claim that he's God. And like they don't know his plan. They don't know like the plan of the cross and resurrection. They don't know any details of that. So it's like a logical thing they're following because they like, go, oh, well, God provided for our people in the wilderness and gave us bread there. And I think they're just thinking of him as the Savior in this purely physical realm of like, oh, well, if he's God and he's here, he's going to provide us bread and housing and all these physical things. And awesome, he's just going to have this physical solution that's going to fix all our problems. But he keeps saying, no, if that stuff perishes, I'm providing you guys a spiritual solution. Very good. Yeah. So you see, he's doing this transition where he's trying to completely change the perception of people. Of saying what's really important in life is not this physical stuff. And you put that well, Chad. That's what's happening here is that they're looking at him going, we expect, if he's even the Messiah, he's, he's going to bring a physical kingdom to the world, not a spiritual one. It's going to be, you're going to come, you're going to take over Rome, we're going to, the Jews are going to be back free again, you're going to give us food to eat, you give us all these things in the physical world. And Jesus is trying to say that no, there's something different here. And you can understand, you, you, I would agree with you, we would all be sitting there going, <laughs> Yeah. If, if they didn't see him get on board, they saw the disciples leave. How did they know where to go? Is that the only city on the other side, or? I, I don't know. I, and I don't know, they went to Tiberias. So they went from one side of Sea of Galilee to the other. Um, I don't know. To be honest with you, how did they know? Because one boat leaves, I think, through a night. They see the disciples leave. Jesus goes, walks on the water. It doesn't really say here, but somehow a lot of them end up getting their boats and they end up going to the other side. Okay, that's where it was. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It doesn't really say, I think. Um, but so you see, it goes back to some, I guess, of the question Chad answered. Because look what happens next. It says in 27, do not... So why are you here? Because you just want to eat. <laughs> his, his essence, what he's saying. This is in verse 27. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. So a completely different life. What are you talking about? Anybody want to guess what the word endures is there? A word that we keep having come up? What was the question? The word endures. What's another? But for the food, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Not temporary. It continues. It abides. That's actually the exact same word that Jesus says, abide in me, I and you. He's seen this word abide, which is that relational word. Okay. He's saying that again, even this word endures is actually in the Greek, the same word as abides. 
So do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that abides to eternal life. And who is eternal life? <laughs> the Son of Man, who gives that to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then he says to them, what must, then they say to him, so this is what's interesting, what must we do to be doing the works of God? What, what do we have to do? You know, like, do we have to do Sabbath? Do we have to do all these laws of the Old Testament? What is it we have to do? So they're asking, what do we have to do to get this? Jesus says, I'm going to give you eternal life. Well, tell me, what, you know, well, us guys are good at that, right? Let me fix it. What do I have to do? What do I have to do to get that? Is that because of the law that they've been living under yeah, the whole time? Yeah. And they're going to be thinking, like, what do we have to do to be doing the works of God? And then Jesus answered them, this, this is the work of God. Notice how he says, what they may say, ask, what must we do? And he says, this is the work of God. So it's not like, yeah. what are you doing? This is what God's doing. This is what God's doing. Very good. This is the work of God that you, Pistis, believe in him who he has sent. So there's, you can see where that, to him, was pretty ambiguous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not about the signs. It's not about the physical food. It's about something. Do I need to say... Communion, all those things. All those things going through your mind. Right. <clears throat> right. You know, there's something that we, we haven't um, addressed, and that is when he gives out the the, the loaves and fishes, he gives thanks. Right. And then it expands. Yes. And also at the end, he had some, he said, don't waste anything. Grab all of the... Yes. So this is really a holy... Thing and I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I eat a meal without giving thanks. And yet, I wonder what kind of um, supernatural thing happens to the food that we give thanks for. Maybe it's a very important issue. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, we give thanks. But aren't we giving thanks for the breath of life? We're giving thanks for eyes that see. It's not. It's not really just about food. No, no, it's about exactly. it. it's, it's anything right. that we would be in that mode of thanks mm-hmm. and having the attitude, and uh, as has been taught to us, the gratefulness that we're talking about at church. Mm-hmm. Because that, that kind of, my whole attitude has changed since I sat down in this chair. <laughs> it, it, you kind of dis, dis, disassociate from the rest of the day, yeah, right. and you kind of <laughs> get nourishment from you, you know, you all. But we are, and that for, makes me give thanks. Sorry. We are praying for sustenance too. We're put, yeah, but it's out. not. It's not it's Christmas morning. It, but yeah, it's not just the meal. It's all the time, and that's just a that's little right. model. All day long. So it doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, it's good. It's not dualistic. It doesn't say well, food doesn't matter. No, exactly. Really does matter. It goes back to what you just said. Because what did he do? He sees five thousand people who are hungry, and he feels the physical need, but he does it supernaturally, and he does it by thanking God, because who is going to do it? Which is what he gets at here. It's not you doing the work, guys. It's God who's giving this to you. And you're only asked to do one thing. I'm sorry. That's Mm -hmm. fine. What's the one thing we're asked to do? Believe. Pistis. Believe. Believe. Pistis is, again, for those of you guys who know, pistis is the Greek word for believe. But but put yourself in their shoes. Uh, they've probably never heard of this before, and this guy is out there telling them, 
I'm the bread of life, and if you accept me, I'll give you eternal life. Well, especially here. What does eternal life mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. Where's the food? <laughs> right. I don't want eternal life. Right? At least not right now. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? How do I get that? So, mm-hmm. a lot of questions. You can see why they... And the Thanksgiving was given before the food. Before. Mm-hmm. So, in all of those issues that we face in life, whether it's nourishment or whatever, whatever things we undertake, whatever jobs we have, it's important for us to be great, supernaturally grateful. Absolutely. In fact, you see that right here. The whole point he's doing is shift. It's not about what you're working for. It's what God is going to give you. Yeah. It's this whole, it says right there in, in 27, when, which the Son of Man will give to you. That's exactly why you say we're thankful for even the things we don't have yet. Because who we get it from? It will be. God. And what is pistis? It's believing that God... Will be forever. Yeah. And will will give us what we need. I've forgotten. What were the 5,000 people doing there to begin with? How did they they congregate? It says... It it tells you in in 6 verse 2. It wasn't 5,000 people. It was 5,000 men. men, Which means, yeah. Oh, men. Men. John, to answer your question, in verse 2 of 6, it says, A great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. Mm. Mm. Oh, no. Yeah, that's good. Good, Tom. So it does say 5,000 men plus women and children. That's right. No, no, it's just just men. So so what they say here is that they're counting men, and that's usually what would happen, but there would be women and children there, too. So you're talking about, we don't know how many. How do you know that? Because that's what the, in, in the Greek, that's what they sort of like. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like, they, they identify men culturally in the numbers, but it ends up being, it, they don't, they didn't include in the numbers of women and children, which I think would naturally be there, but all these people are following. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. Can I do a little, uh-huh. develop a uh, Jesus set this thing up, and his first statement is with the 5,000, all the men are sitting. They're at, actually, they're not sitting yet. That's interesting. Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Jesus asks his disciples that. He's setting it up. He could have said, what a nice day it is today, or to go up in some other direction. He's talking about bread. Boom. What shall we buy bread that these may eat? And then the next thing he says, which is pretty interesting in verse 10, make the men sit down. Why did he, why did he do that? Because that proves that it was a miracle. Nobody's going and coming. Nobody brought bread. 5,000 people were sitting with nothing. And then he says, gather up the fragments that remain, and they gathered them up. And then in verse 14, it shows that these people are pretty savvy. You're saying, you know, they're, how can they believe this? They say in verse 14, it says, then those men, 5,000 of them, then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, feeding, said, this is of a truth, that's prophet that should come into the world. Mm-hmm. And my concordance here takes you to Isaiah 9, 6. So this is what they knew. For unto us the child is born, unto us the son is given, and the government should be on his shoulder, and his name should be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So by verse 14, they were saying, this guy's the Messiah. These, the 5,000 that just got fed just went from 
They got... Like, yeah. yeah. They weren't in the dark. Why did they use the word perfect instead of Messiah, though? They, well, they, here, that's what they're thinking. That's that's what they're... Definitely prompt, yeah. but well, they, the word that's used here in King James is, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. One. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jesus is prophet, okay. the prophet, the Messiah, the king. Um, but the prophet, they, when they, they're the same prophet, they're looking for someone like Moses. We see this a lot of John. Mm. We see... We see they keep going back mm-hmm. and saying, is this the one like Moses? Because Moses was like the last real prophet. They, a lot of them looked at Moses as being like the epitome of the prophet. And there was the, the prophecy, all the way back to Moses, like there's going to be a new prophet, another one. And Jesus ends up becoming that one. So they're looking for him. But again, it's, you know, 5,000, that's a big number. Uh-huh. But it still seems like he's losing losing them. Well, you know? but that, that is what's happening. I mean, you're, so, not, you're right, because you see at the end of, of this chapter, it says many of them just left because they couldn't believe the saying that he was sent, what he was saying to them. Well, don't you think he knew that they would never be a believer? Well, well I think ultimately God knows. Prophets, right? Yeah. yeah. I forgot the exact uh-huh. verse, but whenever the question was asked earlier, I think it's Matthew 14, and it said, uh, and basically, um, sorry, look it back up, so let's quote it. Um, said, and if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. It's like he knew that there would be unbelievers, like you said, you know, volitionally, it's just, you know, hey, you know, you try to save, but there's going to be, for whatever reason, people that are against it or whatever. I'm trying to understand the, the whole dynamic of his miracles because. People are hearing on hearsay, and those 5,000 people, maybe some guys got there later, they didn't see it all. So it's not like there's 5,000 people that see this and are feeling, do you hear what I'm saying? It's like not everybody, it's got to be like this, um, he's building up his his name with with all the stuff that he's doing, because he can't possibly affect everybody. Maybe there was, you know, people are coming in and out and they're not seeing it all, but it's, the, it's, I'm starting to see now that he's building up, <clears throat> the reason why I, that that is because he needs to build up a little bit more credibility for stuff down the road, so you can't just think that everybody's going to be there and see everything, you know, whether it's the, 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 the miracles that he did, you know, at the fountain and all this stuff, people, it's, it, the hearsay's starting to, to, to build up. Yeah. And that's part of the whole, his whole plan. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I think so. I mean, I think overall, yeah, we don't know a lot of the stuff. We don't know the details. But he clearly is starting to reveal who he is. It goes back to even what you were saying. I mean, he's more and more revealing. And this is where he, so I he am. is literally now revealing himself as I, I am. am. I'm the bread of life. I'm telling you this bread of life is something different than the bread of life, bread you eat. I am this one who brings eternal life. I mean, he's uncovering and just saying, hey guys, I'm different from the rest of you. <laughs> There's something really different about who I am. Um, and you can see them struggling. I mean, if you look even at verse 31 again, so this goes back to the prophet thing you asked. Because look what it does. He's saying, hey, this is who I am. Our fathers, and what do they say to him? Then what sign do you do? So they're saying this to Jesus. What sign do you do that we may see and believe you? So you see, the people want to believe Jesus based on some sign. Exactly. Not on really who he is, 
but on a sign. They want signs. So Jesus says it's ultimately not him. They want, he wants them to believe in him. So he says, what work do you perform? Our fathers, this is the Jews, ate manna in the wilderness, it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So they're going back to the Old Testament, and they're going back and remembering, remember when God gave us supernaturally manna? So they're going, are you like this Moses? Are you like this prophet who did this back then? And Jesus is now, which would be natural for them to think. I mean, that's, you know, it's like, this is what happened before. Are you like this? And then he starts saying more, and he goes on. This is why, this is tough. It is tough. We've all experienced it. He says, Jesus says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses. It's interesting. He's correcting again. It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. It's not Moses, you guys. It was my father who gave you the real bread, the true bread. True actually means real there, um, from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. It's almost and, like that's like a blasphemous thing you say yeah. right oh, there. Very. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. And they don't get it. Because what do they say to him? They say, Sir, give us this bread always. <laughs> They're not getting it. Um that's the same thing that the woman at the well said. Exactly. Yeah, very good, Gil. In fact, this scene is similar to the Samaritan woman. It's like, we're trying to put everything into worldly terms. Times 5,000. And there's, it's 5, not a spiritual yeah. level of what Jesus is trying to show who they are. So Jesus goes on and he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. So see, now he's telling these people, you guys saw the 5,000 get fed. You might have been the 5,000 that got fed. You saw all these miracles of healing everything that I'm doing. You're trying to look at that, but you're not believing who I am. <laughs> you're not believing I am the Christ. I am the Son of God. I gotta say though, I mean, has anybody seen David Copperfield before? <laughs> I mean, you if, you would think that if he didn't, you'd think that he would, you know, just the stuff that he does, which is obviously. Yeah, so I can right. see, yeah. I can see how people are. And they had Yeah. 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 Um, th- there's something else that I think we didn't um, emphasize. That when they had seen the sign that he had done, that meaning the 5,000, mm-hmm. they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Right. So some of them knew. But they're still trying to really figure out, are you just a prophet? Are yeah. You, and if he's and, saying that more than the prophet. Yeah. Right. The prophet would be, he's the Messiah. They think he's the on-earth Messiah who will become the king of the Jews. Right. I, I was thinking as we're talking in the last few minutes that before chapter 6, and it says that they came because of the miracles which he did in healing people. So the miracles he was performing were physical, you know, healing some sick person. The miracles that start in chapter 6 are, for lack of a better word, in our terminology, is metaphysics. Mm-hmm. He created something from nothing, enough for to be 5,000 people. That's a spiritual miracle where something physical comes out of nothing. And then he went from across the lake. That's like, you know, in India, 
where you have the Maharishis. And, I mean, they transport themselves from one part of India to the other and reappear. This is this is a metaphysical miracle too. So he's he's using the bread to describe himself. He's, I'm come, I came down from heaven. I'm not this Messiah who's going to be the king of the Jews right now. Yeah. I am not how you I, think. I'm I'm in a metaphys. I'm presenting to you a metaphysical mm-hmm. slap in the face reality. This is this is way different than what you're thinking. And what you're talking about, why couldn't he have been more clear? Why does it have to be so far out? Why why couldn't he win more? He it's He's not ready. Even for us, he's and I'm done. going, how can, how can <laughs> we, my mind, to figure it out, how can we transition? When he starts in verse 35, how can my mind, any of our minds, get a hold of this? But so this you, is so metaphysical. This is so far out. So what are the biggest, the Jews today, one of their biggest arguments as to Why the they? fact the fact that Jesus isn't, you know, he said he's the uh, Messiah, is because the, he came and did everything and the world is still crappy. That's their argument, kind of. So, so even, you know, we're, we're 2,000 years later and we're not, you know, we're not seeing this. We have to believe in the Bible. We have to believe it's truth and everything. But the Jews today, their, their whole argument as to why the relevance of Jesus is not that he's not the Messiah is because if he really did come and people believed and, and, and so forth, why is the world still so bad? That's their argument. Which, a lot of people other than just Jews. That's very political. Right? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Especially yeah. for Israel. Huh? Especially for Israel. Yeah. Well, How about I, anybody else? You guys stuff, stuff we're seeing here? I know a lot of you guys. Jason's out before. One question. Do these people know that uh, he was the son of Mary and Joseph? Years. Was what? That he was the son of Mary and Joseph? Yes. And yes, I would say generally. So that's well, I would say generally. Yeah. Yes. Of an well, they birth. say that. I think we we hit that here somewhere. Yeah, right here. It says in, 40, in 41, yeah. so the Jews grumbled about him because he said, yeah. I am the bread that came down from heaven. They're like, uh, excuse me, <laughs> no. Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother yeah, okay. we know? How does he know? I mean, we would all be listening to this just going, this guy is cuckoo. I mean, this guy is like... On drugs, this guy is like that goes know, back something. to him saying so a prophet can't be a prophet in his own hometown. Yeah, yeah. 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 How old was Jesus here? 30, probably probably around 30, 32. Probably around 30. 30. 30, 31. He, we're like in the second year of Jesus' ministry, so he would have started his ministry when he was 30, and so now because that's what Jews that's a, there's something about that age of 30 for Jews. Um, how old was he when he died? 33. 33. Yeah. Yeah. So we're in the second year now, we, in John. We're like in the second year because we're at the second Passover. So we've gone through a year and now we're sort of the second year of Jesus' ministry in John here. Is there any documentation of his teen years or what happened nope. when he was growing up? Nope. We hit 12. Brief. <laughs> at 12 Mom. years old, we know he was in the temple. 30 years old. We don't know, we do not know anything else, yeah. Thematically, you know, you're talking about uh-huh. in previous studies, we talk about inclusio and... and right. And because we're trying to deal with something that's so ethereal here, I think, personally, the two verses that encapsulate this awfully well is verse 29, which we talked about a lot in the last few minutes, 
Jesus answered and said unto them, this is, I mean, this is kind of important. What, what's the work of God? Yeah, exactly. What, what's the work of God? What's, what's this all about, all of creation? This is the work of God that you believe on him who he has sent. And it's, it's, and it's expanded in verse 40. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. Yeah. And I will raise him up on the last day. You know, you get a bonus, you get everlasting life. But believing is interesting that how can our believing be the work of God? That's hard to get your mind around. The work of God is our believing. Uh-huh. Can't God do anything he wants? Can't God just do this? And But this volitional, there's a belief. We have a part in it. Yeah. There you go. That's what you're Anybody else? Anybody? Yeah, go ahead, Jason. As I read, well, two things. One on, on that. Okay. He's saying this is the work of God. He's not saying this is exclusively the work of God. He's answering the question as well. This is the work that you need to do that God wants you to do. Believe. <laughs> now, the Downing Thomas. Mm-hmm. Right? which we, we're all built with disbelief. Uh, I, absolutely. But, okay, did uh, signs. Help my belief. But, signs, signs, he's saying to them, and where he says, it is written <laughs> by the prophet, what was that? That, um, God will teach. Where the heck was that? What well, does it? Oh, yeah, it says that you're. Um, ah, it's right on that other page. No, here it is. It's on 45. It is written by the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Yeah, and they will all be taught by God. So, in terms of identity, what he's saying in terms of signs, he's saying you're not look, looking at the signs, which were spelled out by the prophets. Okay, right? Mm-hmm. You're looking, you, you want me to do stuff that's going to f- give you food that you can eat here and stay in your flesh. Mm-hmm. Right? That's where the he's trying to get them to understand that the signs, you should be looking for the signs. But what signs and why? So that you understand who I am. Because it's already been declared. Right? And the work is just belief. Now, that is work, right? Yeah, I'm trying to think about this as, again, I'm going to go back to the David Copperfield thing. So David Copperfield, you know, smokes screen mirrors, and he's, and I just now thought of this, you're David Copperfield, you're doing all this stuff, but where he goes different than David, David Copperfield is exactly what you just said, is he, this is where his humbleness comes back, and he throws it on them to believe, but not just because of, I'm trying to conceptualize this, 
you, if you were to follow David Copperfield, you would think he's the greatest guy in the world back in the day, and you would you would be wanting another miracle. Well, well, you David Copperfield, magician. the magician, magician. illusion. I'm just yeah. using him as. Oh, uh, okay, no. he's not. So he would do like just no no. no, 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 just no. no. <laughs> I got confused. I thought, Vegas. oh my God, what, what am I missing, Dickens? Yeah, take a Vegas show, but 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 it is true what you're saying. How many David Copperfield? How many things are you going to see? You gonna see a hundred of them? You gonna see a million before you 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 believe him? But that's not what it is. It's not about the things that he does. Yeah, see, it's not about the things that he does. At this point, this is the point where he's kind of saying it's a bigger thing than than me. Which again, it's I am. But there's some internal things that you got to do on your own, and it's not just about the next miracle. It's if if you want to believe. If you want to do the work of God, it's going to require you Correct. to invest yourself in that. You're going to have to go back and read the Old Testament, guys. This is saying directly to the Jews. You should know. You should have done your homework so that right. these signs actually mean something to you. So you'll know who I am and that what I'm telling you is the truth. Yeah, Eric. It occurs to me in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He's not talking about out there. <laughs> no. <laughs> right. He's talking about... He's talking about us putting our sin nature aside God. and doing the work. God's work. Yeah. yeah. That's our mission. That's the work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I like. I really like how you open, because again, it's sort of like the contrast here is between, you were saying about how when you retired, all of a sudden you went from... Just being kind of distracted from, to yeah, focus. Yeah, being distracted you know, to focus on... What's really important, which is your relationship with Christ. Right. And that's sort of what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, hey guys, we're all in the world and we're not all of us are retired. We're also having to work in the world, but the most important thing is not what you're seeing in the world. The and it's not about my next miracle either. Right. No, it's yeah. not about the next right. miracle. That's it's all temporary. Yeah, it's about pistis. It's about believing. The verb here, just so you know, the word when he says, believe in me, it's not just, oh, I did that and now I'm a Christian. It is this constant believing. It's a verb. The Greek verb is what's called present active. It's like we don't just believe, which is why we're here. Why are we here right now? We're here because we can't just like, oh, I'm saved. Great. It's like, and that's a problem that Jesus is saying here. A lot of people just, oh, we believe in Jesus. Oh, yeah, we believe in him. And then all of a sudden, they've lost it. Greg, didn't you call it's it like believe? this constant believing. You call that believe into. Did you know? Yeah, it is. Believe into, which means a relationship with the living Christ. It's this constant relationship. It's like if you have a, you know, my, my um, CLS. It's, um, my analogy is like if you're married, you can say, I'm married. I can say to my wife, my wife's with Michelle. Okay, so I can say, well, yeah, I'm married to Michelle. Okay, great. That's, yeah, you're married to Michelle. I got married, you know, back in whatever date we got married, and we're married. You're married to Sarah, okay? I mean, Eric's married to Joe. He's married to Linda. That's a state we're married. But guess what? We have to keep being married with our wives. We have to keep the relationship going. We have to keep believing. We have to keep in relating with our wives, which is what Pistis is. You're continuing to relate with Christ. You stay in relationship with Him. How do we do that? 
That's why you guys are here. That's why I'm here. Endurance, abiding. <laughs> abiding, exactly. And how do you abide? You endure. You continue mm-hmm. to abide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have mm-hmm. to stay mm-hmm. in the Word. Yeah. Stay in that relationship. Mm-hmm. It's like we have to stay in our relationship with the wife, or also wives will go, why aren't you talking to me? Why aren't you talking to me anymore? Why aren't you just, why are you so quiet? Why aren't you home? <laughs> what do they want? They want a relationship. Right? They want this constant, ongoing relationship. That's why Christ uses marriage as a metaphor for our relationship with Him as a church. Well, you have to invest time yeah. in your relationship. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and it's the same with, you have to invest time in reading God's Word. Right. Does he so have any more miracles? I'm sorry. Yeah. Are there yeah. any more miracles after this? Oh, there are more miracles oh, yeah. coming. Yeah. We will continue to have those. He will continue to show signs. Um, but he also is saying those signs are not, they're to point to him, not yeah. to be about the signs. <coughs> you know? Yeah. Um, uh, let's, so let's just jump, jump down since we're like getting there. So, um, verse 47. I'm going to jump a whole section here. Um, well, 46. It says, Not anyone who has seen the Father except he who is, is from God, he has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, there it goes again, whoever believes in me has eternal, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Yes. There's that I am again, right? Your fathers ate the manna, yeah, your fathers ate the manna of the wilderness and uh, they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that the one may eat of it and not die. I am. See how he just keeps like hammering them. I am, which means I am Yahweh. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for life of the world is my flesh. I just start thinking you're hearing this as even a Jew. You're just going, what in the world? And then it gets even tougher. So remember what's going to happen at the very end of this. Is after this, many disciples turn back, and they're going to answer in this next paragraph, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? So now listen to how hard this gets. Okay, We, we try to grasp this in our head. Verse 52, the Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? What is he? What are you like? So Jesus says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks of my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks on my blood abides, there's abides again, abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate. Notice how he just keeps repeating himself over and over again. And died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And then what's their response? This is a hard saying. How do we, what do we get? Well, where, where you ended on verse 58 and verse 59, yeah. it's amazing. It says, these things you said in the synagogue. What? Imagine, yeah. These are Orthodox Jews going, what? 
Yeah. I mean, that's the stone him. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. So what Tom was just saying, like Isaiah 9, the aptitude of these guys, they know Isaiah, they know everything in the familiarity. Uh, and what you're saying, the I am, this Yahweh, it's almost like blowing back. This, he's saying Yahweh, I am, I am. And the whole Moses figure, I am. Um, so what you were saying. Why is like, that stone right there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like, what is this? I gotta think if I was one of these guys, I, I, I mean, I, I've got the luxury of hindsight. I'm, yeah. I'm probably not believing. Yeah. Well, the, the other thing, wonderful point, right? Well, anyone else would have said that. They would have just immediately taken it, but clearly they feel something. Well, right. Right. Yeah. And clearly they sense like, well, the, this guy's, this guy, maybe, maybe, you know, there's the, the question is probably on all of their, I don't want to believe this guy, but boy, I, I can't deny what this feels like right now. There's an authenticity. I can't deny what he's done. I can't deny the yeah. miracles that I've seen. Certainly, the logic is, is there as well. Yeah. I think what's interesting, which I was not expecting this conversation, it's interesting watching us all struggle with this, even right now. It's hard, it's hard stuff. It's like... When you get in the Jewish mindset and think from their point of view, yeah, yeah, it's shaking. Yeah, yeah. The tension there is they've seen the miracles, and yet they still don't understand. But we're talking about a really small group of people Mm -hmm. in this... I mean, how many people are in the world at this point? They're not... There's no Facebook. They're not hearing this stuff. So one of the things that I always think about is... And I'll be, I'll be asking God. This is one of my, I have a laundry list of questions I'll be asking him. Uh-huh. So all this I stuff. I grant you. I know. Wish. I did too. All these things <laughs> are happening, but these people are, you know, they're there. What about out on the peripheral? What are these people? These people aren't going to hear this for, maybe they're going to die before they hear this. What happens to their souls? I want to know this right now. I need to know right now. Yeah. All right. Um, so I thought that because we're sort of on this hard saying, Jesus says we're to abide in him. Okay. And one of the ways he gave us as men 2000 years later, a way to do that abiding. Obviously one way is to hear, is through the word. One of the ways that we abiding can we abide in Jesus. That's the elements. Very good. The elements. Because what did Jesus say that we're to do as often as we can? Really knowing that we're not eating his true flesh and blood because that's referring to something spiritual. But he's given us that communion. Um, and I thought we would just do communion right now. Um, but, but can, yeah. I, can I inject something? I think now yeah. what you were uh-huh. talking about and we're... Our confusion, and, and that's verse 44. Um, it, there, there's a seed in, I don't know, but all of us, or there's a seed in some of us, but there's a seed that he describes. No man can come to me. This is right in the middle of all this difficult stuff. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draws him. So the Father is drawing us, drawing the skeptics or not. Mm-hmm. God's, the Father's running the show. 
Yeah. It's yeah. like the Father's drawing us or not. So probably you go ask Jesus, you'll say, hey, go ask, go talk to my Father. <laughs> so so <laughs> as far out as all this is for these people and for us, the reason some people are listening and staying and trying to understand is because the Father, the Father has right. drawn them. Yeah. Now, now, throw a little curve, curve in, in that one. If you read a little further where he says to the twelve, didn't I choose you? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But they listened. Well, yeah, but, the, but what? no one can come to me except through the Father. And then he tells them, didn't I choose you? But that means the Father chose me. Correct. Right. Yeah. And the, and I was thinking of that a minute ago because so many people turned and followed him no more. Who stayed? The twelve. Why? Because Jesus chose them. Because Father chose them. Which is what verse forty four says. Yeah. It's like, let's all pray that God's chosen us. Yeah. <laughs> which which again is why Thank we hear it. Yeah. And part yeah. of the part of that being chosen is he says when he was in the upper room. Now I want you to do this as remember that I am that bread of life, that I've given them a lot to do that. And that's why we do communion. That's why as often as we can. I love it because as often as we can. <laughs> like whenever you have a glass of wine. This is how yeah. you remember me. Yeah, this is how you remember me. So I want to just walk us through this because, um, and we'll end with communion. Because it says, so this is Corinthians. And I never had seen this before, and I thought, I, I think actually the movie um, Back to the Future, when I, re- when I read this in Corinthians, because when we take communion, there's something that happens in communion that doesn't happen in any, uh, anything else we do in our lives. We get to participate, I want to say, in Back to the Future. <laughs> okay? We get to participate in time travel. Because this is what Paul says in Corinthians. He says... For as often as you as you eat this bread and drink the cup, which is going to be yes, cups. Mm-hmm. So he says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So when we take communion today. We are remembering and proclaiming with the death of Jesus when? 2,000 years ago. And we're doing that looking forward to when he's going to ultimately come again, which is when? Okay, that was the right answer. (laughs) We don't know. We just, but we keep doing this until he comes. So for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Proclaim would be another word would be believe. Yeah, well, you could, yeah. We're that's, actually... That's the theme here, too, is believe. I would say we're participating in that believing when we do this in faith, when we do that. So, all right. Thank you. What verse was it? So this is second. This is um, 1 Corinthians 11... I'm thinking how beautiful all this is, just as a moment of believers together. You know, wherever two or three are gathered together in my yeah. name, there I am. So Jesus is here. That's right. And he's and he's hearing us read his word and wrestle with it. And, yeah. You know, I think we're 
I think we're on a good track. I think he's guided us tonight mm-hmm. with what we've concluded, and uh, it's just so beautiful. You think you think how old mm-hmm. how old these words are, yeah. and they come alive, and yeah, it's amazing. So, pretty amazing. So I so this is what it says. So this is I'm going to read this from First Corinthians 11. Says in verse 23. So it begins with Paul saying, For I receive from the Lord, and that's, remember, Jesus told them to do this when he was in the upper room before he went to the cross. For I receive from the Lord what I also now am delivering to us, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and I wish Gil was here right now, because what does it say? It says he took bread and when he had given thanks, feeding the 5,000, <laughs> all right, when he had given thanks, he broke it. Or, as I'm going to do, tear it. Oh, you cut. Okay. <laughs> I thought just a couple times so you guys can just take. Is that, is that gluten free? <laughs> it is not gluten free. <laughs> is, <that, laughs> so, is it rye? It's not rye. It is like sourdough. sourdough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is that happening in that friend? Huh? You like it? No, I did not. So, so Jesus was saying, "This I'm breaking this bread for you." I'm so in advance of the crucifixion, where he was broken on the cross. Yeah. Saying, I'm breaking this bread. bread for you. Yeah. Broken. So it says, "In night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you.'" Do this in remembrance of me. So why don't you guys just... So we ought to eat... We have to eat one of those chunks? Just take no. No. Just pull off the piece. Just pull it off. Just... There you go. Just like the disciples Yeah. Did. There you go. Is it sourdough? As much as you want to. Yep. Yeah, sourdough. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Grab some. Grab some. It's like I might need a little more juice to buy. Right, yeah. Gonna make you work for work for it tonight. It's the second person I almost killed tonight. Sorry. You guys know what's sour? How what makes sourdough? Right? It's like this is leavened bread. Yeah, this is. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> the yeast that they stick in there is sour. And it makes it rise. And all that. Alright. So, that, you guys also have, yeah, okay. So it says, so he says, On the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's all take the bread. same way, also he took the cup after supper. Mm. 
same way he took the cup after supper he said this cup is a new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me just did this, eating this bread and this drinking this cup, we're proclaiming what Christ did on the cross, and we do that until he comes again. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Amen.